Hi, this is Saqib Rahman with the OrthoClips podcast series, and today I am with Jeffrey Smith, MD, who's an orthopedic traumatologist in the San Diego area and the uh, founder and a surgeon coach with SurgeonMasters.com. Um, and today we are going to be talking about uh, the t this, this topic, want to be a better and happier surgeon, get a coach. Um, thanks, Dr. Smith, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Sajid. Great. So um, we'll get right into it. Uh, maybe I'll just start off by asking, uh, what exactly are the problems that we as surgeons maybe don't even realize? Um, and some things that come to mind when I think about that is maybe a lot of surgeons don't have that open mindset that they can do better or be better or... Maybe they actually can learn from someone else. I mean, when you get to this level, you've been training for so long with everything, patient care, OR techniques, management skills, dealing with stress. Um, this is, I guess, what comes to mind when I think about why maybe a coach would help. But what are those problems that, uh, that we don't realize? Well, I think you laid out some great examples. But first of all, we surgeons are, are very intelligent and talented people. So our discussion needs to be in that context. Uh, the challenges or problems uh, that you refer to are really opportunities to keep learning and growing. Uh, as you and many surgeons know, and residents I'm sure quite aware, we have many challenges that are or at least seem out of our control. We're extremely quality driven and patient-focused. Uh, many in the healthcare business and healthcare delivery are focused on the finances and population-based medical care. Uh, so they're not as directly involved in that, that patient and quality-driven focus that we have. So for over a decade, attention to patient satisfaction and creating value has added a, a significant and tremendous burden to surgeons and other healthcare professionals. Based upon the older healthcare models, we received excellent training. Maintaining those older training models in this evolving healthcare culture actually worsen, worsens most of these problems in ways that I think were pretty eloquently described in a New York Times opinion piece by Dr. Ofri of Bellevue Hospital in New York. Uh, I think that was published uh, June, in June of 2019. And it was, you know, it was the business of healthcare depends on exploiting doctors and nurses. So we need to make changes to training as well as how surgeons are onboarded in their first few years in practice. Again, I, th I think we do an excellent job as it is what we're needing to do is evolve uh, with these changes and know that uh, the first few years of practice, the old method of onboarding just isn't going to work. So when these folks go out and in, into their first jobs, I think it's super important that the onboarding is done uh, better and with newer models. So let me bring it back to, because you mentioned sort of general problems and then there's individual problems. So bringing it back the attention to the individual surgeons, I can name a few of the most common personal challenges. Uh, we surgeons have tendencies towards 
uh, workaholics, martyrs, uh, lone wolves, superheroes, self-critics, and perfectionists are, are kind of those traits. And these traits contribute to success during our training and career. When taken too far, they can also create burnout, moral injury, and many other personal and professional conflicts. Many of us are great at self-criticism and weak at self-awareness. If we learn to be coachable, such as self-directed, accountable for our own actions, open to constructive feedback with less defensiveness, being curious, focused on learning and understanding, and so on, we find great opportunities for self-improvement with less of the side effects from our tendencies. So one of my goals is to restore and maintain our passion for performance improvement, because that leads to physical, emotional, and mental success. That's really interesting. And you kind of answered one of my other questions about why is this emerging in healthcare professions now? And I think you identified some of the changes happening that this is now important. And I would say coaching in general is not a new concept, um, but uh, you're outlining the reasons why it should potentially be applied to surgeons. Is there data to support that it helps? It's so new. Um, I, you know, we, we, we haven't been doing this for long enough, but is there any data to suggest or extrapolate that it can help, um, it can help us? I like your word extrapolate. Um, you're right, it's not a new concept. Coaching in sports, as well as in other performance activities such as music, dance, as well as business and leadership is not a new concept. Uh, it is emerging in, in the healthcare professions because but this is because it's effective in all those other areas. So we, we should be extrapolating. There's also a model more consistent with adult learning theory and, and to be honest, human nature. I love it because it's more effective than just doling out advice. There is, in fact, more and more data showing that it does work, even in healthcare and even uh, specifically the surgeons. So I, I think we're in the early phases of, of getting really good studies. Uh, I look forward and I kind of challenge you and your folks at, at Temple to maybe consider some of these things as, as actual projects to consider evaluating. But the two example studies, uh, one is uh, effective professional coaching intervention on the well-being and distress of physicians. That was called, and it's titled the Pilot Randomized Clinical Trial. And this is by, uh, and I hope I don't mess up uh, names too much, but uh, Derby, uh, Shanafelt, a big name in, in burnout, uh, Gill, Sattel, and West. So again, big name people publishing in JAMA. This was, uh, I think an article from 2019, so pretty recent. Again, there the focus was on well-being and distress. The coaching isn't just a distress, um, anti-distress strategy. It's also for individual performance improvement. So the other big article that, that I think uh, clarifies that or emphasizes that is the one from uh, the Wisconsin Surgical Coaching Program, and it was published in Annals of uh, Annals of Surgery, 
2015. They've been doing a lot of research on surgeon coaching as, again, along the theme of adult learning theory and performance improvement, quality, and safety. And that's uh, Dr. Greenberg and her team. Uh, so there's two big examples. So again, I, I think it's like anything in the field of science, medicine, and education, there's data, but why not keep trying to improve the data to show where it's most effective, uh, what are the nuances of making it uh, maximally effective? Because I think there might be differences between our field and uh, some of the other fields. So that's where I think the learning still is open. I also recall, I want to say, listening to a TED Talk or, and or maybe reading um, something uh, by Atul Gawande, who's you know, one of our, I think, uh, one of the biggest uh, thought leaders in, in healthcare right now about how he had a coach and his experience with um, surgical coaching. And um, to me, that was maybe one of the first times I'd really heard about it. And it really got me thinking. Um, and, you know, you now hear in the last couple of years about uh, surgeons kind of as, um, you know, as performance athletes to some extent, and what you need to do to sort of keep getting better. And, um, and of course, if you're going to think of yourself as a performance athlete, to some extent, then the thought of having a coach should not really seem like a stretch. Um, so I think the connections are starting to develop there. Um, so maybe can you give me some examples, like what practices have you or your group implemented to help meet this emerging need? Maybe you can kind of, um, you know, not, of course, not naming names or making anything identifiable, but maybe some examples of that could really resonate with some of our listeners, how this could work. Well, let me give a couple examples. And again, I'll do sort of the broader examples first and then some of the individual examples. So, um, so some of the things you mentioned were a little bit my background story and certainly people can find out a little bit more of why I got, get in, got into surgeon coaching, but it, it was things like you described reading Atul Gawande's book better, uh, just timing for me. It got me really excited about, uh, this concept and really wanting to have an impact on performance improvement. So that led to me founding Surgeon Masters as a company and the Surgeon Masters community, which trying to just sort of have a, a network of people that were trying to expand the knowledge and skills related to coaching and to lift each other up and move forward together. So our foundational principles fall under kind of three basic pillars of education, support, and empowerment. And we turn surgeons into their own best learners, support them through challenges or to personal peak performance, and we empower them to succeed or make changes sooner or more significantly than they would do on their own. We're, we're gradually onboarding and networking other physician and surgeon coaches. And one of the biggest drives right now is to train other physicians and surgeons to learn coaching skills and to become great coaches for their peers. What could be more gratifying than helping your colleagues be their best? So that's on the broader uh, side. On the narrow side, to get to a little bit of your points, it's really fun. I mean, it, 
as I've gotten into this, I feel that I'm I'm in the the niche or niche of being a surgeon coach, uh, but otherwise I'm kind of a general practitioner, and so I I work with surgeons uh, that they or others might describe as being in some element of distress or burnout, and I also work with surgeons that are high performers and really looking for that peak performance. Uh, and it's pretty variable as to whether somebody works with me for a short time to uh, work on some specific skills or whether somebody's been working with me uh, much longer term, even for, uh, I think I have clients for as long as three years uh, running. and. Um, and that's because of the effectiveness and really where they get into this rhythm of working on often uh, multiple different things that they're just trying to get better. And, and kind of as a coach, I am kind of the change aid agent, the person to uh, assist them in doing that. So, and I, I hesitate a little bit to give other specific examples because there's so many less about the, potential for confidentiality, because it's pretty easy to describe a scenario that nobody would know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> I understand. Um, well, let me ask about challenges. Um, what challenges do you or, or the orthopedists face when trying to implement a coaching approach to improvement? There are a few. Uh, as you can imagine, time. Uh, the availability of that money. Uh, obviously, some of the coaching they do is is very high end and very individual focused, uh, and so there's uh, cost to that. And then just the energy, because a coach, in almost in an absolute, but I'd say at least in general, I do other things to support and help my my clients. But the energy, the 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 individual the surgeon has to have the energy to put in the work in between because the guidance and other things that you do in a coaching process still leaves the individual surgeon as the person that has to create the practice and the habits and the improvement there's work that goes in so those are three individual ones another big challenge is the changing of the old paradigm of giving and receiving advice. Um, our healthcare culture and training is focused also on the negative, such as shame, blame, judgment, failure. Uh, coaching usually tries to focus on the positive. Growth, learning, success. Uh, constructive feedback is not the same as giving or receiving advice. Uh, everybody wants solutions and answers. Uh, if we actually had the proven answers, and science didn't evolve or change the best answers as time goes on, then we would have the most, uh, most of the solutions already. Additionally, many challenges we have as being surgeons have different solutions. And many surgeons improve in their own journey of improvement. So all these things are ripe for coaching. Coaching is about receiving constructive feedback, having your thinking or dogma challenged. Uh, the 
the coach is someone who is actively listening, demonstrating curiosity and asking questions that make you think deeper at what, what you want to change, what you want to improve. Someone who can be more objective or detached than yourself, your boss, partner, spouse, or friend. Because again, that objectivity that a coach can provide is, is quite significant. And then higher levels of coaching, in my opinion, should provide uh, confidentiality where it's uh, sought, uh, much less judgment, less negative feedback or criticism. It also requires care, compassion, empathy, and appreciation for uh, the, the surgeon's challenges. And, and I think we provide inspiration, encouragement for successes and despite failures. And an excellent coach, in my opinion, should be very adaptable, focused on you without alternative agendas, and doesn't assume you would do what they would do. Interesting. So um, a lot to think about. I guess as we wrap up, um, I'll ask um, which resources can you share for those listeners out there thinking about, um, you know, trying to get better from a coach or related methods? Obviously, it sounds like you're a resource and your company. Um, what would you say are the, the gamut of resources or what, where should surgeons start when they're looking to implement this? Uh, so there are quite a few. Uh, I would highlight even that just learning coaching skills is a life skill. And so just like learning anything, you can learn it with self-study. You can just honestly Google coaching and learn more about it. That's how I started. Um, you can um, work with peers that are, are learning the skills themselves, or maybe they're not a certified coach, or they're not someone who's gone through coach training, but they're practicing the skills and you can practice together. We encourage those things in our community. But my personal bias uh, here is to start with our website, surgeonmasters.com. We have our own resources page. We also have lots of blogs on the various topics, latest research on coaching and many other great links, including that to other coaches. Uh, we're always updating these. So although I might want to send you to one of my favorite pages, these things are always changing, uh, ever improving based upon everyone's constructive feedback. We also are open to suggestions to add resources to our page, uh, though we also try to vet these as best we possibly can so that we're, we're trying to do some of the, uh, certainly some of the homework for those in our community or those that check out the site so that we've, you know, that at least done our due diligence to, to provide some uh, screening of those. That sounds really good. Um, appreciate you uh, explaining all that. And I appreciate coming on the podcast. Um, so uh, I think we'll conclude with that. Um, I want to thank uh, Dr. Smith again. Again, our guest today was Jeffrey Smith, uh, orthopedic, or I should say fellow orthopedic traumatologist um, uh, from San Diego and also a surgeon coach and the founder of Surgeon Masters 
com, and uh, our podcast was want to be a better and happier surgeon get a coach uh thanks jeff for coming on the show appreciate it thanks so much for inviting me back whenever you come up with another great topic sounds good